Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry. So excited you could join us today. This episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast is brought to you by Zipify and Zipify pages. If you are on Shopify, you need to check out Zipify pages. It's an easy to use, customizable drag and drop landing page builder. So now you can take your best marketing ideas, things you learn from the podcast, things you learn from Ezra Firestone, and utilize those in drag and drop fashion using Zipify pages. Also check out one-click upsells, visit zipify.com. I'm really excited about this topic today and my guest. With me on the show today, I have Chad Rubin. He's the CEO of Scubana. He's also the author of the book, Cheaper, Easier, Direct, How to Disrupt the Marketplace and Create Your Own E-Commerce Success. It's all about going direct to consumer. He's also one of the top 250 Amazon sellers, which is a huge, huge deal. He's in the vacuum business and, and, and a few others. He's on the board of the Prosper Show for Amazon. And he's also, last but not least, and, and this I think will make us instant friends, he's a coffee enthusiast, which I'm excited about. So Chad, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for, for agreeing to come on. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about this just a little bit because I... I have a feeling most of our listeners are, are coffee and caffeine addicts, just like us. But what makes you a coffee enthusiast? Well, I'm really, I geek out on it. It's part art and part science. Right now, I'm talking to him having a cold-pressed coffee. Okay, okay. Which means it was steeped in cold beans, which means there's no acidity to the coffee. It's steeped for 24 hours uh, so that you don't pour any hot water on it. And it is absolutely delicious. Nice. I really have not gotten into or just started getting into cold coffees a little bit over the last year, uh, but very interesting. Even, you know, cold lattes are, are pretty good. So I've not tried the cold brew. I'll, I'll have to do that sometime. Yeah, so I geek out every morning with a different type of brew. I'm really into buying different kinds of beans. And like once I'm finished with all this e-commerce stuff that I'm very involved with, my next transition <laughs> when I retire would be actually to, to be a cafe owner. Oh man, that would be so fun. That'd be so fun. Especially if you didn't need it like to make you money, you know, <laughs> if you could truly just do it for fun, then I think it would be. Yeah, building community. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, we're, we're into coffee as well. We, uh, my son who's 15, he's actually a young entrepreneur. He roasts his own coffee. So he's uh, buying beans online, small batch, uh, doing small batch roasting and uh, it's really good. So yeah, NC's coffee. He's trying to Trying to make a go of it. So, what's the website? Uh, it's actually only on uh, Shopify through Facebook right now, but it's NC's. So, Nathan Curry is his name. He came up with the name. Okay. Uh, NC's Coffee. But, well, yeah, I'd love for you to, I'd love to connect afterwards and I'd love to buy, you know, a pound or so. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Nathan would love that. But, yeah, love, love coffee and uh, it's exciting stuff. So, let's, let's dive right in. And you come with just a wealth of information and knowledge and an awesome background, but let's, Let's start with Amazon. So you're a top 250 seller, which anybody that sells on Amazon, they know that's just massive. But what's your background? How did you start selling on Amazon? How'd you get in the vacuum business? Just kind of lay out that backstory, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. So I grew up sort of trying to find pennies between the couch cushions. Uh, my parents owned a vacuum store and they were constantly struggling to make ends meet. So in my mind, I said, okay, if this is what an entrepreneur life is like, I don't want any part of it. So I was first generation college grad. I went to UMass Amherst and uh, studied finance, which is an area that my parents were deficient in. 
And it turns out I went on to work on Wall Street covering internet stocks. Nice. My parents had a vacuum store at the same time. I was covering internet stocks and I was like, hey, mom, dad, you guys need to bring your business on the internet. And there, and this was like 2007. They're like, what? The internet? Who's going to buy vacuums on the internet? <laughs> It'll never work. It's a fad. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I actually got laid off of the street and I created them a website online, selling online, reselling. And uh, my father passed away and I decided to go direct to consumer before like D to C was the sexy, awesome thing it is today. Uh, but I started a direct consumer brand called Crucial Vacuum, selling direct consumer. Where we manufacture and sell all these parts direct. And that's the inception. That's how, that's the genesis of how it all started. That's awesome. So you, I mean, did you do a lot of research and, and looking on Amazon and, and was anybody selling vacuum parts at that time or was it just natural because you grew up in the business? Okay. So 2008, 2009, private labeling wasn't even a, a thing. I don't even know who came up with the word private labeling, but like building your own brand on Amazon was not anywhere on the map. So it was just really OEM parts, you know, OEM, the original manufacturer's parts being sold on Amazon and also off Amazon. So I, did, I had this great idea, which was, okay, let me see if I can make this myself and sell direct. So this was the sweet spot. This was sort of, you know, right now I think we're in the Renaissance period of Amazon because now there's 2 million sellers on Amazon. But when I started, it was very, very, very early. Gotcha. Gotcha. What, what do you think were, were some of the, the keys to success? I know it's always kind of hard looking back because uh, it's hard to, to distill it into a few things, but you know, what, what do you think helped you kind of launch into the you know, top 200 sellers in, on Amazon? So look, I made a lot of mistakes, a ton. I don't, I don't have enough fingers and toes to count on all the mistakes I've made, but I would say in terms of like what really started the success was identifying an opportunity. Uh, and I was, I, I didn't want to keep on competing for the buy box on Amazon. So I thought of a way how I can start my own brand of not having to compete in the buy box. So I think identifying the opportunity and just like hard work and persistence, I started with one filter and now that has led to 950 different products in not just in the vacuum category, but across the home. So I think just being aware, aware of the marketplace, aware of where things are going along with building a system uh, which I learned after many, many years of doing this, the system thinking is really what sets us apart from everyone else. Got it. And and do you think that, that for most people now, success today and moving forward on Amazon is really about private label where you're not competing with a ton of other sellers for the buy box, but you own it because it's your brand and your product. Do you, you think that that's really the, the key to success? Is it going to be harder and harder to uh, when you're always trying to duke it out for the buy box? Yeah, so I think I think what's going to happen is you're going to see big box brands starting to sell direct as well. We already started seeing this trend. You know, you have a few disruptors now. You've seen Casper mattresses, for example, uh, Dollar Shave Club, Bonobos. Uh, all these brands are, are going against the grain of the big box store. So you're going to see big box. I think they are now starting to understand the benefit of being on the pulse of the consumer and selling direct online. So I, I do believe that private labeling is going to be a thing. I think it's a little bit crowded right now. I think Amazon's catalog is swarmed with way too many products. And I think that we're going to see a point where you're going to see a lot of convergence and a lot of those sellers leaving because it's so easy to buy the product on Alibaba. You buy 5,000, but then you sit on it and you can't sell it because there's 100,000 other garlic presses on the market. For example, toilet paper holders, to give you some perspective, there's over 100,000 toilet paper holders on Amazon today. Wow. And I, and I know, you know, from what I've heard, Amazon's 
feeling the pinch a little bit in terms of, you know, that they got a ton of products in their warehouses that, you know, some of it's not moving. And so they're raising rates, you know, for FBA uh, to store mm-hmm. some of those products if they don't move and things like that. And, and do you think that's that's largely, you know, because of the, the trend of people educating and, and learning of the, the riches and the, you know, the opportunity to make make millions on Amazon by private labeling. And so there's just, just too many people doing that right now. Yep. And I think there's an Amazon gold rush that's happened. And I th- and I went to an Amazon meetup la- uh, on Monday night and it was all newbie sellers. And there was probably two mature sellers that were there, uh, one being myself and somebody else. And so it was all newbies that are saying, hey, I just came out with this product. I came out with this product. And so there's just wave of all these workshops, all these things that are encouraging people to come sell and they're going to be really disappointed when they understand that uh, there's not, <laughs> they need to actually think out of the box, right? You can't just make me too products and make sequels of products and expect to sell them on Amazon. Yeah. And the key really now is to build a brand, right? I mean, to build this, this recognizable brand, even though someone's buying it on Amazon primarily to build a recognizable brand, build a following and drive some sales even off Amazon, and, and you actually, you guys did that when, when not a lot of people have, have successfully done that. How, how did you build the brand around Crucial Vacuum? Well, the, interesting. I, was, I started off uh, with a site on Volusion, and then I started selling on Amazon. And I thought to myself, would I ever invest in a stock that had one customer? And the same thing applies to e-commerce. Would I ever invest in a company that has one customer, Amazon? Amazon's customer. And so I started really diversifying. And I think diversification is really the, the first part of building a brand, right? Being able to not just sell on Amazon, but sell in many other places and then become a recognizable brand because you're just, you have so many eyeballs at that point that people are like, wow, okay. And then they come back searching for our brand as well. Any, any creative tips or anything you're doing in terms of packaging or, or the way you're taking care of customers on Amazon. I know you got to be careful there because of the, the restrictions in Amazon places. You know, it is their customer and they want to protect that and, and rightfully so. But anything you're doing that's unique to, to help people feel like they're, they're dealing with your brand and not just Amazon? So Amazon is a vending machine. It's really Coke or Pepsi. And we, we sell commoditized products. So we're being copied all the time, which is, which is why we need to, and I speak often. So I need to keep on going where the puck is going, not where the puck is. And I'm constantly innovating and constantly about new product. When it comes to differentiating our products on Amazon, uh, you know, it, it comes down to the listing optimization. I think that's the first piece. And also it comes down to when people receive our product and that unboxing and what they feel when they unbox our product uh, there's a big difference from when you just buy someone that ripped us off and is you know a Chinese seller or just someone that's selling out of their garage where they don't have the resources to build the kind of infrastructure we've built, like a warranty program, for example, for our product. Great. Yeah, I, I love uh, the discussion of you know moments of truth. And I think Procter & Gamble may have been the first to to kind of coin the phrase, the first moment of truth and second moment of truth. And, and, uh, and then Google wrote a book called The Zero Moment of Truth, where uh, in the original Procter and Gamble model, the first moment of truth was in the store when you're when you're facing the aisle and you're looking at you know all the brands of toothpaste and you're trying to figure out you know what uh, I don't know what stands out how do I make my pick. Um, then the second moment of truth is when you actually use it, um, and then you know Google started talking about hey there's actually this zero moment of truth when you're actually just researching and looking and and now that's taking place on Amazon as well. Um, but I think people underestimate that that moment of truth when someone opens the package, right? And mm-hmm. and we don't maybe have to take it to the extreme of being as great as Apple, right? And there's there's almost something magical about opening a, an Apple device, packaging and product. Um, 
But in, any advice you would give there on on how to think about that unboxing experience? Even and, and it's cool that you're thinking about that and you're selling, you know, a commodity. Yeah. So I don't even shop in retail stores anymore, like physical retail stores, right? I shop online and I learned from others that are absolutely crushing it in the space that have a massive marketing budget. And I try to learn and I'm constantly learning from those. We do unboxings on Scubana all the time on our blog where we analyze and unbox different products. So I shop in very diverse categories to learn from what others are doing and try to implement some of those best practices in my own product. So like I said, we have this elite program, which is our warranty program for our product. Um, our poly bags, for example, since we're so good at sourcing, instead of just buying Uline poly bags, we now make our own poly bags with our own product logo and website on the poly bag itself, like the shipping poly bag that it ships in. Nice. And then, of course, our customer support is amazing, right? We have a, a real actual human and expert that runs our customer support team. We have live chat. Uh, we have videos on a lot of our products where we are doing tutorials. So we're giving people an experience that they perhaps can't get. When you buy from Amazon, they're not giving you that experience. They're just saying, okay, here it is, Coke, Pepsi, just click a button, and there's no service afterwards. How are you getting those videos to the customers? that on your, like, through enhanced brand content? on Amazon or are you doing that on your own site? I try to put as much unique value on my own site to encourage people to shop on our own site because at that point, we don't have to give 15% margin away to Amazon. We own the customer, we can remarket to them, and then we can work on increasing their LTV, the lifetime value of that client. Yep, that's great. One time, two time, three time, four time buys. So for Amazon, I mean, enhanced brand content, I'm not really, I'm like on the fence of enhanced brand content right now. Uh, some of our listings have it, but once you have enhanced brand content, it's hard to remove it. And I'm just in the process of testing because it's so new right now, testing whether or not I fully am on board with the enhanced brand content movement. So, so to see, you know, does, I mean, I'm assuming the questions now are, does it really help with listing optimization? Does it really help with conversions? Because if it's hard to remove, those are pretty critical questions to answer. Exactly. So I'm spending a ton of time understanding what's happening with our uh, sessions, as Amazon calls it, or in your world, in the OMG world, it would be uh, impressions. Right. So I'm analyzing our sessions. I'm analyzing our orders on the back end of Amazon and understanding what our conversion rate looks like and how it's changing over time. Got it. Got it. And, and are you, so when you're selling through Amazon, are you primarily selling through the marketplace as a third party or are you selling direct to Amazon as first party in, in the wholesale relationship? So I predominantly play in the, in the three P, the third party space as a seller central, as a seller on the marketplace. Um, I dabbled a little bit in the one P selling direct to Amazon. Uh, I did not have a very good experience. However, I still have some product that Amazon holds that I sell to them strategically. Gotcha. Yeah. And we, we have a lot, most of our clients that we work with and we, we primarily help on, on the, the Google side of the equation, the search side of the equation, but we have a lot of clients that most are FBA sellers, you know, or, or through Seller Central, but but some are doing a hybrid, you know, that and and one P. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, from your perspective, what are the the pros and cons of each, and and should someone maybe consider a, a hybrid model? So let's talk about the pros of being a seller, a uh, marketplace, right? So you're direct. To, so for me, my mantra is going direct to consumer, cheaper, faster, easier, direct. And so you're, on, you're more on the pulse of that client when you sell direct. You can double your margins when you sell direct because essentially Amazon, if you sell to Amazon, Amazon is just a middle person that then resells that product again. So you're just, you're, you're just repeating 
historic mistakes of being a middle middleman. And, and then Amazon, Amazon's going to control the pricing. They're, they're really going to be in charge of, of that as well, which is a big deal. Yeah, they control the pricing. So for me, selling as a marketplace seller, you have double the margins. You have more control over your brand. You have brand registry. You, uh, you have more control over the price. You can double your margins. You also have an immense amount of reporting that Amazon gives you to understand what's happening with your listings. So on the flip side of that, on the one piece side, the vendor central side, selling to Amazon, uh, certainly Amazon buys in bulk, so you can unload more to Amazon. Uh, depending on what you've organized with the terms, uh, you get the 30, 60, 90 day terms. Uh, but I think you can probably negotiate a 30 day term with Amazon. I'm trying to think of other benefits because I'm like not so bullish on the one piece side. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> uh, not so bullish on to be honest. And I tried it and like they took control of my listings and changed a lot of things that affected the best selling rank, the BSR on our listings. And so, uh, but we do have a lot of clients on Stubana. They're both hybrid one P and three P cause we support, we're the first software to support both. Oh, great. And, and what's usually the, the logic, what's the mindset for when someone says, you know, I'd, I'd like to do both. I'd like to go three P and one P what's usually the, the thought process. Yeah. So there's a couple. The first one is if you're a big brand and you have, and Amazon is doing, let's just say $20 million with you a year. And you're like, wow, I'm going to now screw Amazon and sell on their marketplace. A little people are a little bit scared. So they like to dip their toe in the water to see if it's warm. And so that's one reason why people have two accounts. The second reason is really a insurance policy. So Amazon is notorious for being very strict with service levels. And if anything happens to certain people's accounts, they lose that account. And so being able to be a one piece seller where you get, you get somebody, if you're a big account, if you have a big account, you'll get someone in the United, in the United States in Seattle. But if you're a smaller account, you'll get somebody in India, but at least you have somebody to work with to manage your account. Nice. Hey, Brett Curry here, a quick note from one of our sponsors, and then we'll get right back to the episode. So our primary underwriter is OMG Commerce, the company that I'm the co-founder and CEO of. And as many of you know, we are a Google premier partner. And in 2016, we were one of the fastest growing premier partners in the entire world. Very proud of that. And so we build full funnel campaigns for e-commerce companies. So search, shopping, video, display campaigns, we build those out. It is now time to get ready for the holidays. And so I've got two free offers for you, a resource and then an offer. And let me talk about the, the resource first. So we just recorded a webinar with our two Google reps. So our two reps flew into our headquarters here in Springfield, Missouri. We recorded a webinar, The Ultimate Guide to Holiday Prep. We talk about campaign structure. We talk about smart bidding. We talk about budgets. We talk about feed readiness and a host of other things, some new stuff coming from Google. It's a fantastic webinar. If you'll go to omgcommerce.com forward slash learn, you'll see a link to download that webinar. I suggest you check it out share with your team completely free of charge. The other thing is we would love to schedule a strategy session with you. So if you feel like your campaigns are not quite ready for the holidays, we'd love to schedule a strategy session, look at how your full funnel approach is looking right now, provide suggestions, provide feedback and potential ways we could help. So if you'd like to schedule that strategy session, go to omgcommerce.com, click on get started and there'll be a form there to schedule a strategy session. Love to connect with you. And with that, back to the episode. Let's talk a little bit about how you're driving traffic to your Amazon listings. And I know there's a, there's a period of time when people would often try to go 1P or, or be you know set up as a, a 
you know, the direct relationship with Amazon so that they could get access to AMS, Amazon Marketing Services. But now that's opening up to, to 3P more and more. So can, can you talk about kind of your, your favorite ways to drive traffic to your Amazon listing? Absolutely. So I've, I've been doing a lot of research on our listings uh, and certainly we've had a lot of copycats come in. Uh, our sessions or impressions have fluctuated over time. And I believe right now in 2017, we are in a pay to play environment. So there's no real secret to understanding Amazon's algorithm for ranking. The, re the reality is, is the more conversions you have, Amazon will essentially push you further and further up the rank because people are buying. So the ideal client to Amazon, the perfect seller to Amazon is someone who's doing a sponsored ad, who's doing an AMS headline ad, who is uh, an FBA seller, and who also converts really well, whether it's 15% in home and garden or 8% in electronics. So that's the perfect client to somebody. And so if you're fulfilling on all those, on those four things I just mentioned, you're going to be further and further up the rank on Amazon. So for us, like what I'm seeing right now is I'm seeing uh, a, a synergy between what I'm spending on, on advertising for sponsored ads and my organic rank. I think there's a, uh, what's, what's the right word? They're, they're, they're just correlation. There's a correlation. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you, Brett. Yeah, no problem. Uh, very good. And so, and so what, what do you, I'm, I, I'm obviously sponsored product ads. That's, kind of the, the, the holy grail there with Amazon. Is that primarily what you're doing? Are you also using any of the banner ads or, or any of the, the tools through AMS as well? I'm doing, I'm doing AMS. I'm doing lightning deals. Like, look, there's a lot of people that do. For, I will never talk and, and sort of encourage any black hat activity because if you spend enough time looking at your own listings and optimizing them and, and seeing what's happening and understanding the fundamentals of your business, I believe that you can do everything within Amazon's policy to improve your own listing and get more conversions. Because remember what I said in the beginning was all Amazon cares about is conversions and relevancy. Great. So as long as you're looking at those things. Exactly. So like most people don't look in the back end of Seller Central and go to the reports and, and sort by ASIN by parent ASIN and look at their sessions and then figure out what their conversion rate with those orders. The orders divided by sessions will give you your conversion rate. Just like looking at that on a monthly basis and understanding, hey, how do we improve these things? How do we do an A-B test to tweak things and make it better? Great, and, and can you give those conversion rates one more time? Kind of what, what someone should be looking at and, and where if they go in the back end and look at their conversion rate, what would, what would be acceptable? What would be too low? When do you know you need to, to really work on optimization? So if you go to reports, seller central, and you go to business reports, and then the left side, you'll see something called detailed page sales and traffic by parent item. And that report will give you uh, everything from like your ASIN, your title, your sessions, which is how many people, your visitors that are coming, your buy box percentage, but it'll also give you a unit session percentage. A lot of people think that that's the conversion rate, but it's not. It's actually, it's your order. You're going to take your order items divided by your sessions, which will give you your conversion rate. Got it. So first thing before you even start making changes to your business or listening to a lot of these gurus giving you advice, just understand the back end structure of your business, the fundamentals of your business at its core and look at your listings and how they're performing and then start looking at your listing to see what you can do to improve them. Gotcha. So, so what kind of conversion rate would you say is low? So if I look and I do the math, my conversion rates below 8%, should I be concerned and, and start working? In, in this world, I mean, look, it's, it really depends on the category. So I right. sell replacement accessories, which is different from like a discretionary item uh, that you could or could not use. Like I'm going to buy a taco t-shirt on Amazon. Right. So, I mean, in the online world, and you know this, 3% is good. 
right? 5% is incredible. We have certainly a higher conversion rate than, than that because we sell products that are in demand and, and have a utility to them and are necessary. Yep. So you're just going to have to take it on a, on a category by category basis. And potentially if you sell multiple items, look at all of them and, you know, find the underperforming ones and, and, and start working from there. Yeah. And like Brett, a lot of us in this space have other friends. So like what I did was I, I told a bunch of my friends to do this exercise, six of them or seven of them, just to understand what was happening in their business and to give, I don't need to know every product that they have and what their conversion is. I don't care. I just care what their average conver- conversion rate is over on a monthly basis and like in my data that I looked at, my sessions dropped at some point in uh, March or April. So I wanted to understand, were other, did other people's sessions drop? I know there's an algorithm change on Amazon's side that, that changed in the March, April timeframe. I wanted to see if other people experienced that same issue. Gotcha. So this, the conversion rate, that's not a number that Amazon just gives you, right? You've got to do the math on your own by looking at sessions and orders. Mm-hmm. Are, there, are there other metrics that, that you're paying attention to that, that potentially other Amazon sellers are not, uh, that they're maybe missing out on? Uh, I mean, you, you know this because you, your team is doing sponsored ad management. I think that a lot of people are very focused on a broad ACoS. Yes. The average cost of the sale for sponsored ads and I quickly realized that it's not, it's, it's okay to be broad. Maybe if you have one or two products, but I have 950 products. Right. And so right. I looked at, in Skubana at my profitability per SKU. Where am I making the most money? And I actually started doubling down on the SKUs that are making us the most money because I have that budget. So getting very, very specific in terms of, okay, I'm going to double down on SKUs that make us the most money. I'm also going to start maybe sunsetting or going, putting my foot on the break on SKUs that are making us a lot less money where our margins are a lot more thin. So I think a big mistake people make is, hey, I'm going to look at my overall ACoS. Like I always get people saying, hey, Chad, what's your, you know, what's your average ACoS? Where, where are you at? And it's honestly, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. I get very surgical with it. I love that. And the, yeah, the answer to that question, what is your average A cost should be, who cares, right? It, it doesn't matter. Uh, and then we're the same, whether we're managing Google shopping campaigns or, or Amazon sponsored products, you've got to look at the SKU level data because, you know, there's so much can be buried or hidden in averages that, you know, maybe you want to look at it just for, for bragging rights or to, to talk about it at the next meetup or something. But in terms of being useful for your business, you've got to get to the SKU level at 100% agree. So uh, got to get to, you know, which, which products are performing and underperforming. And what we often see with Google shopping is that, you know, the 80, 20 rule definitely applies, but often it's even like a 90, 10 rule or a, a 95, five where, you know, 90% of the sales are coming from 10% of your products. Are, are you seeing that same 80, 20 rule with, with your products on Amazon as well? Yep, eighty twenty exists everywhere, and so we actually recently did that analysis. Yeah, it's it's fascinating how that how that just seems to persist everywhere in every environment, every channel. It just it's always the case, which is really interesting. Um, well, let's uh, let's talk about. Uh, so you talked about uh, enhanced brand content a little bit. Um, do you think people should also start testing that right now, or do you think that's more of a a wait and see type of thing? What what advice would you give on on enhanced brand content? Yeah, it's, it's tough. Like I, I'm all about the conversion rate. I, there are forums online that say that people, uh, it affected their ranking when they launched enhanced brand content. So maybe it's still like kind of in beta, but I would go look at the fundamentals. Like I would take probably your worst sellers and add some enhanced brand content to it to see if that will help boost it. 
it, it's all very specific. Like I don't give broad waxing uh, advice to people because that can just ruin people's businesses. But if you understand the fundamentals of what's going on in your business and you take your worst your worst uh, conversion rate on Amazon and you do some enhanced brand content to it, you post uh, five photos, you put value props in the secondary images on those photos, you work on, um, obviously, I don't know if you know this, but Amazon recently announced that the uh, the keywords in the back end now is 250 characters. So going back and looking at your 250 characters that Amazon recently announced and making sure that you're essentially following what Amazon announced on August 28th, which was putting the most important ones first and only allowing for 250 characters. Anything over that will not be indexed. So doing things like that and just working on your listings and constantly improving them it should be just a part of the DNA of your business. Love it, love it. Let's just just for fun. Let's let's dive in and talk about Amazon Echo devices for a minute. And, and a lot of this will, will just be fun and speculation because it's still relatively new. I do want to lay out a couple facts, though, a couple stats, just for the enjoyment of everybody out there. I, I, we are uh, uh, Echo device owners. We got a couple of them. Uh, love using them. Uh, I, I saw a stat on how many devices are out there, and this was a stat that was a little bit old. It was like 8.2 million was the estimate, but this was pre-Prime Day of this year. And so I, I saw that on Prime Day this year, Amazon sold seven times as many Echo devices as they did last year on Prime Day. And so it's just exploding. Uh, even my in-laws now have an Echo device, and my mother-in-law, who's extremely technically challenged. I love you, uh, Tammy, by the way. Uh, but she's now got an, uh, an Echo and, and, you know, Alexa's her best friend. So really, really growing. You know, they're, they're making all kinds of, of offers for Echo. I saw some stats on, you know, people are ordering a little more. Not It wasn't a crazy amount, but people that have an Echo device order like 6% more than those that don't. Uh, people will consume more prime content often if they have uh, an Echo device. And, and what's really fascinating to me is, is some of the new... Echo devices coming out. So you got the Echo Look, which is the kind of the style assistant. It, it, it's a, uh, a camera that you put in your closet and it's all voice activated. So it'll take video or pictures of you so you can kind of keep a, a diary of what you wore. This is almost exclusively for women. I, I don't know any dudes who would want to do this. I don't, I don't think. Uh, no judgment if you do, but uh, take pictures or videos of what you're wearing. And then, and then uh, Amazon through machine learning and through some stylists can kind of give you advice on what you should buy or what you should wear based on your body type and things like that. And then, then you've also got the uh, Echo Show, which is the, the, the Echo device with the screen on it so you can consume content. But you know, all of this also is designed to make it easy to order stuff. And so I, I have... I don't know how long we've had our, our Echo device, maybe for uh, six months or so, but I've definitely ordered some, not not a ton of products, but ordered some. Um, so all, all of that, uh, the long-winded, just to ask you your perspective, what, what do you think these devices, are they going to have a real impact on, on your average seller and, and the way people shop and the way people research products, or, or is it just too early to tell? I, well, I already know people that are ordering off of their Alessa already. So right now it's already having a small impact and I think it's going to have a broader impact, especially as Amazon innovates and makes changes to it. Like the show, like you were mentioning, I mean, right now we're so concerned with, Hey, how do I get onto page one of Amazon? Right. Page one, you know, the first three items on page one are getting over 60% of all the clicks. So now you're going to, everyone is going to, there's going to be a paradigm shift. How do I get to, there's no more page anymore. How do I get to the top of Alexa's ranking system will be like where things are going to be going. I don't think we're completely there yet, 
But I do know that the Amazon badge has the badge of Amazon's choice has something to do with it. And people are going to try to figure out how to get that Amazon choice. So you can be in your house and say, hey, Alexa, I want my I want mealy badge. The cheapest ones go. Right. And they're going to pick and choose for you. And so they're they're removing that hurdle for, for customers that have too much choice. And then you're, you're going to see a really, really deep impact on private label sellers because now you have, you have 80,000, uh, whatever, uh, toilet paper holders, then you're going to see only one survive. Yeah. The Amazon choice product, that's going to be the one that lives and survives. And, and, and one of the things that, that I've seen, and I haven't seen a lot of data around this, but it makes sense that, that I'm not the only one here. I've used it primarily for reordering. So I've got this, this protein shake concoction I make in the morning with, with green powder and, and grass-fed whey and a whole bunch of stuff. It's, it's, it's amazing. It looks gross, but uh, it's good. And so what I found is it's on automatic reorder, but sometimes I, I go through periods where I, I consume a lot of it. And so I, you know, just the other day, I was, I was out of protein. It was going to be a while before my next shipment came. So I just said, Alexa, reorder my protein powder. And so she said something like, you know, there are three items in your history that, that match protein powder. Which one do you want? And so I selected it. I wonder how it's going to impact reorder you know, for certain things. So, so now I notice I'm out of this. I'm just going to ask Alexa to reorder it for me. And, and if that is the case, then that's going to make it really imperative that you get that first sale, right? Because once someone buys that, that first protein shake or green powder or whatever, they're really likely to keep ordering it. So that, that's interesting to me as well. That's really interesting. I was just in Whole Foods, which is now Amazon Whole Foods. And I walk into the produce section and they just have Alexa's on sale, like a fire sale. And it says farm fresh underneath them. <laughs> I thought that was so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's, it's amazing. And, and, you know, it's one of those things where the, the speaker quality is good. Um, I, and this is just fascinating little tidbit that the most common command for the echo is to set a timer, right? It's like, how, how easy is that? How hard is it to set a timer on your, your oven or your microwave mm-hmm. or whatever? But, uh, but we, we use it all the time too. If I'm cooking something on the grill or we got something in the, in the uh, oven, we'll use Alexa timers uh, as well. But yeah, it'd be fascinating to see how this continues to grow. And then of course you've got Google with, with Google Home and, and they're making improvements there. But it, I think it's just, that's just a different model. I think what this evolves into is not just audio, which is just one of our senses, but I think they're going to incorporate two senses into it. So you'll be able to say, hey, Alexa, you know, find me a, an amazing red pocketbook for my wife. And it'll be a visual search. Right, right. right. So audio and visual together. And so I think that that, to me, is the future. That's super interesting. And that's when it starts displacing computers. I think so too, and that's where that's where you know the the uh, Echo Show would be maybe kind of the first rudimentary model of that because there's definitely some products you would not want to buy sight unseen, you know, just with audio. But if you can ask Alexa, she shows you a picture of one or two, then hey, that's easy. I'll I'll, I'll buy one. So interesting. I, I know I know you you've been doing this a long time. You talked to a lot of Amazon sellers. Have you been able to kind of distill like here are top few mistakes that that Amazon sellers make that that either cause them to fail or just cause them to to under leverage their performance? What what are some of the most common mistakes you see? Uh, well, there's a lot, and I've made a lot of these too, right? So uh, one of them is if you're building your own brand, and you're picking products to make and manufacture. Too many sellers are really spending time validating their own idea. And I believe that people should be doing the, the reverse. They should try to kill their idea. They should try to um, invalidate it and break, break the system and, and, or break their thinking, break their, their pattern of thought. And so they're using the same tools everyone's using to find new product. 
And instead of using like their brain to actually look at negative reviews, look like thinking about what are people searching, starting their day and saying from, from today to the evening, I'm going to take notes of everything that really just pisses me off and try to solve on those problems. Gotcha. So rather than maybe using the, the latest tool that the Amazon guru is, is pitching uh, to, to, you know, promising Amazon riches rather than that, thinking like a consumer, looking at negative reviews, looking at products that are, that are currently not meeting expectations or solving problems and, and, and going about it that way. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's really sad, right? It's like they tell you what, like they tell you uh, what the weight of the product should be, uh, what price range the product should be at, what the BSR, the best selling rank on Amazon should be. Like you're just becoming a me too offering. This advice is completely shallow, right? And it only makes people feel good in the short term because they're like, oh yeah, I think I found the right product and I'm using this tool and I'm taking research advice but they're ignoring all these other things that they could be improving and iterating on the process and actually solving the problem versus selling the product. I love that. And it's really, it always goes back to, you know, let the market play. The marketplace is always right. Uh, the market is always smarter than you are. So if you, but if you learn to listen to the market, you can find some pretty interesting things. So uh, I love that advice. That's phenomenal. And, uh, and by the way, I was talking to a seller at this meetup and I was talking to him and he's like, look, I actually do the reverse. I actually find really expensive products and I go heavy in them and I make sure I validate it and, and invalidate it. But I go expensive because a lot of people don't have the capital mm. to get in the game of, of the expensive product. And I was like, you know what? You're thinking, right? That's awesome. Yep. Yep. That's not just uh, coloring by number or whatever. Just just following the, the blueprint that the guru lays out. That That's thinking about it and, and being strategic. I love it. Mm. Uh, let's talk a little bit uh, about walmart.com, jet.com. I know... Uh, you work with a lot of marketplace sellers through Skubana and through through some of your other work, uh, but but can you talk about some tips for success on Walmart.com and Jet.com? Yeah, just do it. <laughs> just get on there. <laughs> so a lot of sellers, Amazon is a is a gateway drug, right? right? Super easy to get started, and you never leave. And so people are just like, oh, I'm making so much money, things are going great, and then Amazon changes their algorithm, and now you're beholden to Amazon and what they tell you, right? They they become your employer. And so to change the dynamic a little bit, I believe that you should just be everywhere. It's no sweat off your back to essentially expand your reach. Yeah, that's great. And and so really, is this maybe a situation where people are overthinking it or overanalyzing it, where they're saying, hey, we're successful on Amazon, but do we really want to go to Walmart or Jet, uh, where they should just they should just test it? I think they should be everywhere. There's no reason why your product shouldn't be, especially if you have your own brand and you can sell more product online and you can build an actual diversified e-commerce business that you can exit for a much higher multiple than just being a, a one trick pony selling on Amazon. Like why not do it? So I suggest you be everywhere in the United States. So work on Groupon, Wayfair, Overstock, Pricefalls, Newegg, Rakuten, Jet, Walmart. These are great, great marketplaces. Uh, and then I'm, we're international on all the marketplaces as well. So like, you just need to have the right system in place that allows you and enables you to essentially sell in all these places. Great, great. So let's, perfect segue, let's talk about Scubana and first of all, why you created it and then what it does for those that are not familiar. Sure. I mean, look, the one thing that binds everyone that's likely listening to this is that we all come from the selling world. And a lot of software product today just isn't built for sellers or by sellers. And so I went through the struggle of trying to find a software that could actually run and automate my entire business in one place. So before Scubana, BS, 
where you have a shipping tool, you have a inventory tool. I, I, have love, a, I love that, by the way. That's great. <laughs> you, you have a 3PL connector. You have a purchase order system. You're using spreadsheets, and you still don't have the data to diagnose your business and make a massive impact and transform your business in seconds with decisions and, and intelligence. So we, I, went, I can't tell you how many softwares I've went through. That like All the brochure sites, and I'm sure everybody in the, in the audience probably feels the same way, that it's all noise. Everyone's site looks the same. And so you get under the hood and you realize the car cannot drive. And so I made massive mistakes. I signed annual contracts with softwares that did not work and did not do what they were supposed to do. And then I got so fed up that I met, uh, who's now my, the co-founder of Scubana DJ, who's the developer and CTO. And he, I, I just wanted to be an inventory tool. And he's like, no man, we need to be in everything after the checkout to run and automate your business. So Essentially, you look at, you take ShipStation, you take Advisor, you take an inventory system and you combine them together and we have algorithmic purchase orders and we have SKU profitability, like Hello Profit. All of those are just features in our software. That's amazing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does. Yeah. And and I think, you know, for, uh, I think for the sellers out there, that's also going to make, uh, make total sense as well. But, but just to maybe look at it from a different angle, from the merchants you talk to, and those that, that have become Scubana customers and now they're loving it and they're addicted to it, what are usually the features or the things they love the most? Like what is it that, that really excites them about the product? So let's just take me. I'm going to have a personal share, right? So seven-figure business. I have two employees. And everyone's like, WTF. Wow. How, wow. how are you doing? So if you have a system in place right, where you can automate the low-value activities of your, of your employees. So one of the features, let's just point to one, which is mind blowing, right? We have AI. So we have automation and algorithms that will create purchase orders awaiting your approval. So it'll go through all your vendors, all your costs, all your sell through across all your marketplaces, and it will create you a purchase order with a nice little bow on top. So it's, it becomes, it, it displaces a 24 seven, or actually employees are never 24 seven, right? So Stubana doesn't right. go to the bathroom. It doesn't eat. Right. And it literally works on your behalf all day to essentially get you just-in-time inventory, including your lead times and everything with a nice little bow on top. So that's like one, that's just one fresh, awesome feature that we have. That, that is super cool. That is super cool. So then you just go, you review the purchase order if it all looks good, you order it or place it. If not, you maybe make some modifications and then I'm assuming potentially those modifications may affect the next round of suggestions or something like that. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Very good. And that's one. So the next piece is the fact that now since you have everything in one place, we get as surgical as your shipping cost. When you print a shipping label on our software, right? that shipping cost is allocated on a stew-by-stew stew level on an order-by-order level. So now you can see every channel you sell in, where you're making money, where you're losing money. So Shopify, Amazon, eBay with all the fees, all the hidden fees at Amazon are baked into our profitability software. So now you can see we're not just like a one trick pony where you're, because when you invest in software, your ceiling is the capabilities and features of that software. Got it. So if you just invest all your money into an Amazon selling software, you're never going to be able to actually go off and compete and diversify your business. And that's really where we, where we help sellers succeed. And that's where if you're just looking at a cost in Amazon or something, that's not telling the full story. That's not ultimately showing how profitable you are on a, on a given product. And that's where you need a tool like yours to, to really help complete the picture. Yeah, because we pull everything in one place. So we're not cobbling together different. So I talk to people all the time. I'm like, where are you spending your time? Oh, I spend most of my day forecasting and demand planning. Or I most spend most of my time figuring out how we can make more money with profitability. So we replace that. 
And so I believe right now in e-commerce, and I said this earlier on the, on the show, that you need to be a systems thinker. And that's what Stubana is, right? It's a system to run and automate your entire business after the checkout. So you can actually now repurpose your employees to help you make more money. That's fantastic. If, so someone's listening and they say, okay, you know, I, I've potentially heard of it, but that description sounds amazing. I want to find out more. I want to, want to book a demo or something. How can they find out more? You can go to Stubana dot com s k u bana like cubana with a stu stubana dot com. You can email me. I'm always available at chat at stubana dot com. Uh, yeah, and and you can see all the reviews all over the internet about us. Easy as that. And I, and I will also say, even if you're listening and let's say you're a service provider or something, and, and you don't you don't need this tool, your site is killer, man. I love the the homepage. I love the integration of you get some exit pops and the way you guys do chat and the way you offer your book. It's a really slick presentation. So I think even even if you just want to go check out, like, hey, let me let me look at see how Chad is marketing his product. It's worth it's worth looking at for sure. Thank you. We put a lot of love and time into into this, and we're constantly iterating on this. I can tell. I can tell. Um, any any resources you would recommend for the listeners? So if somebody says, "Man, I want to hear more of what Chad has to say, or read more of what Chad Chad has to say," uh, where should they go? All right, so you can obviously find my book on Amazon, Cheaper, Easier, Direct. Uh, you can check out our blog. We do Typically, we like to do about one or two value pieces a week on our blog. Our YouTube channel, I'm constantly posting videos on there, so Stubana e-commerce TV. Uh, let's see where else. I think other there's some other interesting blogs out there like Neil Patel. Yes, very good. He's a, he's a great marketing genius in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good place to start as well. Cool. Awesome, man. And then social media, are you active on uh, the Twitters and, and other places? Yeah, I'm e-commerce renegade is my is, is, is what they call me on the streets. So I nice. like to bend the rules. And if you like to, if you like to bend the rules too, please feel free to, to join me on this conquest. That sounds super cool. Way cooler than like, you know, I'll help you with your inventory management and stuff like that. Being the e-commerce renegade. That's fantastic. So cool, man. Well, Chad, thank you so much for coming on. This has been extremely beneficial, very insightful and, and a lot of fun as well. So, so thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was awesome. Yep. Very good. And as always guys, thank you so much for tuning in and taking your time to listen to this podcast. We are open to your feedback. I would love to hear what you'd like to like us to explore more of or potentially less of. Uh, we'll love your review on iTunes as well. And so with that, thank you for tuning in. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on resources and guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.